Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses or your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Hello there, prom party. Hello from, I guess, our first remote recording outside of the Colangelo homestead? Yeah, yeah, this is this is our first one. We are joined to you today at the home of our guest from our freaky episode, Mr. Michael Kennedy, because we are doing a little bit of house sitting, but more importantly, we are puppy sitting. Yeah, so if you hear puppy in the background, <laughs> that, that is Scooby Strode. She is precious. She helped edit last week's episode, so it only makes sense that now she may have an appearance on this week's episode. Yes, helped. <laughs> Mostly just restricted my left arm while I pet her. For like the three hours I was editing. Yeah, worth it. Yeah, helped. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this week, friends, we are doing a movie that we actually planned for the time of year that it is. I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's the Olympics. We try to be topical, you know? Yeah, we were trying to be a little bit relevant to what was going on. And then as the Olympics unfolded, it became way more relevant to talk about. Yes, uh, the, the the day that we are recording this, for anyone who is curious, is the 27th, and wow, we woke up to a whole lot of news in the gymnastics world to yes. this morning, huh? Yes, so the day that we are recording is the day following the announcement that Simone Biles voluntarily left the team competition, mm-hmm. and Team USA took silver in the Olympic teams uh, for the first time, I think, since 2010. Mm-hmm. And boy, do people have a lot of thoughts and opinions about what the greatest athlete to ever live chooses to do with her own uh, autonomy. And yeah. it weirdly follows uh, some themes that we're going to talk about today, because today we are talking about 2006's Stick It. Yes. And when we were watching the Olympics yesterday, I just kept going, she stuck it. Yeah, she stuck it. She She stuck it. it. Oh, she didn't stick it. (laughs) Too much momentum. She over-rotated. Yeah, learned a little bit about uh, about the sport there. I know the basics of gymnastics now. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I've like never actually watched the Olympics. I know. This has been like a new thing is watching some of the Olympic trials uh, with me. So I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that you allow me. (laughs) <laughs> to do this. I mean, I'll say it's it's very fascinating when you have the commentary talking about, you know, whoever and being like, oh, the height she got on that vault, it's so impressive. 
and like the first person that did the vault was Simone Piles. So it's like, was that a lot? I guess that's comparatively a lot of height compared to most things. But boy, it sure seems like tiny in comparison. Yeah, because she can fly. She's a goddamn superhero. She's so high up. She's incredible. <laughs> but before we really dive into that whole aspect of things, which absolutely will come up. So I also do want to say trigger warning. Uh, spoilers for the Olympics. Spoilers for the Olympics, but also trigger warning. Um, there's a pretty high likelihood that Larry Nasser is going to come up at some point. Um, that should be the trigger warning uh, on its own. If not, uh, pause this, go watch Athlete A on Netflix, uh, have a bad time, and then come back. Yay. <laughs> so, Harmony, when... I first pitched Stick It to You. Had you ever seen this movie before? And uh, if so, what is your earliest relationship with this movie? I think I caught it on TV like once. Okay. So I don't know, whatever year it would have been. Maybe it was FX. This seems like something FX would show in like the 2000s. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, that's fine. It's got Jeff Bridges. Everybody loves Jeff Bridges. Mm -hmm. I wonder if people in the background can hear Scooby cleaning herself. I secretly hope that they can't. <laughs> Just the gentle slopping of, uh, <laughs> of of her underbelly. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'd seen it like once and thought like, oh, this is this is fine. This is mm -hmm. this is okay. Um, I know that one of our friends back in Cleveland. I don't know if he listens to this, but like, hey, Sean, what's hey, up? Hey, Sean. Hey, bud. Yeah. Uh, he was a big fan, so he brought it his copy into the bar one time, and we watched it, which would have been like I don't know four years ago, maybe now, probably something like around that. there. And, um, yeah, I thought it was fine again. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I appreciated it more on this watch than yeah. the last two, I guess the only other two times I'd seen it before. Mm -hmm. But I was also, like, fully paying attention and not, like, Working listless. a shift? Well, working and not, like, watching it on TV and thinking, like, eh, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, cool. That's exciting. So for the uninitiated, according to our friend Dango, this is what Stick It is all about. Haley is a naturally gifted athlete, but with her social behavior, the teen seems intent on squandering her abilities. After a final brush with the law, a judge sentences her to an elite gymnastics academy run by a legendary hard-nosed coach. Once there, Haley's rebellious attitude wins her both friends and enemies. A hard nose is... I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I, my impressions of this certainly in the past have been like, man, Jeff Bridges is such a tough coach. And watching it this time, I'm like, he's actually very patient and very nice. And she is being so difficult. Yeah, she's being incredibly defiant. <laughs> she's like, she's, she kind of she kind of sucks for like, the first 30 <laughs> minutes of this movie. <laughs> very, kid. very much being rebellious teen. And yeah. I mean, we'll get into it. We find out why she is the way that she is, and it everything tracks at that point. It makes complete sense. Yeah. But I would like us to hop in our time machine. Take it back to 2006. Let's go back to 2006. I would have been 16. You'd have been 15. You know what was really funny What's about that? watching this movie is, uh, I think it was in the opening 15 minutes, seeing, seeing her, seeing her friends, hearing the soundtrack, and I went, BJ... Out of curiosity, is this movie 2006? Because this feels like the most 2006 movie possible, <laughs> and I was right on the nuggets. Yeah, you were. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 2006, fucking, fucking weird year, I guess, for teen releases. Mm -hmm. uh, I usually try to find, like, a pattern and be like, okay, cool, this is kind of where we were going. This is kind of, like, the idea of what we are pitching towards teens. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't know what we were doing this year. Okay, what's going on? Uh, so some of the big releases this year were Aquamarine. Which is a movie we will cover someday, for I'm those sure, of you who love mermaids. I'm sure we'll cover most of these at some point, <laughs> uh, good and bad. Uh, the remake of When a Stranger Calls. Oh my god, what a mess of a movie. I saw that for the first time recently, thanks to you, and... I just needed to make sure that it was as bad as I remembered, and spoiler alert, it is. Yeah, um, arguably the worst movie we've covered on the podcast up to this point. Like, objectively bad, uh, It's a Boy-Girl Thing. I was just gonna say, is it It's a Boy-Girl Thing? Yeah, yeah, it's that one. <laughs> Um, Accepted, which... Is a good movie. I love Accepted. Uh, John Tucker Must Die. Love that one. Cheetah Girls 2. Love that one a little less. Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. Absolutely love that one. Yeah, so like those are some of the big releases this year. Like there's others, but I don't know what we were going for as like a, an overarching plot. <laughs> like what was the trends what, that we were following with all of these films? I think we're kind of getting into a teenage wasteland um, era because we're in between Harry Potter and Twilight. Yeah, and also this is like right before Disney really starts taking over. Yeah. And towards the late 2000s, we get the very PG teen experience. It's actually teens that are marketed towards children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So yeah, yeah. This, is a, this is kind of a weird era for a lot of things. This is also when social media is really starting to like consume teen life. And MySpace? Yeah, MySpace. It's starting to become the main focus. And we're not going to the movies as much. So I think people are like hesitant to green light things meant for teens because are they going to come to the movies or are they just going to want to watch that Tila Tequila and that Jeffree Star? And me. So <laughs> I will say there's one big release that I did not bring up because I wanted to talk about a different section of films for this one. Okay. Let's talk about 2006 sports movies. Oh, Okay. And I think this is actually where our pattern sort of starts to form. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, Rocky Balboa. All right. Big fan. Love Rocky Balboa. Yeah, yeah, One of my yeah. favorite Rocky movies because I am a huge fan of the Rocky films except for five. Uh, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift because cars are technically sports. You know what? Tokyo Drift, I'm an apologist for. Um, I love the fam. I love them. I've seen absolutely none of these films. Oh, my God. One day we, <laughs> not for the show, but just you and I. In, in our extracurricular oh, time, we're going to watch the Fast and the Furious movies. That's a lot of movies. I love them. They okay. are ridiculous. Okay. Um, a big chunk of football dramas that aren't really about football. They're, they're using football as a, as, a, as a... That's the vehicle a, to get you to the real message? Yeah. So like Gridiron Gang. Okay. And We Are Marshall. Okay. And Invincible. There's so many football movies. There's always so many football movies. And uh, the big teen girl release from this year is She's the Man. Oh. And I think this is sort of where this movie, Stick It, kind of lands. Yeah. Which all of the sports movies, certainly all of the, the big sports movies this year, were very macho. Mm -hmm. And you have one of the most high profile teen girl movies of the year, She's the Man being mm -hmm. about gender bending mm -hmm. and this is very much like a tomboy kind of not like other girls movie mm -hmm. and i think we were sort of really really in the not like other girls era mm -hmm. and i think that that's sort of where this movie sits that makes a lot more sense the only girls sports movie uh, certainly for like teens that doesn't fit this trend is bring it on all or nothing which oh. is a an outlier that oh. is Certainly an experience. See, bringing on All or Nothing, all I can think about is crumping. 
Yeah. That scene is obscene. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the uh, the, the macho sports films is kind of where mm-hmm. Stick It lands more mm-hmm. than in the teen girl genre. Well, something that I've always loved about Stick It is it tells you exactly what the movie is about with just its title. Because obviously stick it is what you mean. Like when you want to land a move, you want to plant those feet, you want to stick it. You don't want to fall over. Yeah. But it's also about sticking it to the man. Stick it. So like it's telling you exactly what it is, which I love. And normally we focus on the character first, but I think that it's really important to discuss this as a sports movie Uh because there aren't a lot of sports movies about women. There just aren't. Like, yeah, we can look to a lot of our favorites, like A League of Their Own, Bend It Like Beckham, which is another one we'll do at some point. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things in the world of sports movies, women are, like, ridiculously underrepresented. Mm-hmm. And especially in the artistry sports, like gymnastics or ice skating, which we talked about in our Ice Princess episode. Which, if you haven't listened to the Ice Princess episode, that's, like... That's the sleeper hit. That's the sleeper hit of the podcast. <laughs> Big fan of Ice Princess. <laughs> yeah, that movie's amazing and it's completely underseen, which means the episode is also under listened to and it's a shame. Yeah. It's on Disney Plus. That movie's awesome. <laughs> but three years ago, a writer named Jay McAnallen. Jay McAnallen, I'm so sorry. I just butchered the hell out of your last name. You tried. But they wrote an article called Stick It is Secretly the Greatest Sports Movie of All Time. Okay. Which, like, clickbaity title aside, yeah. I start reading this article and I was like, oh my God, is Stick It the best sports movie of all time? <laughs> and it says, in 2006, the greatest sports movie of all time was released. It was inspirational like Rudy. It was funny and feminist like A League of Their Own, had heart like Hoosiers, and was ultimately about dads like all great movies, <laughs> which love that line. I thought uh-huh. that was really great. So, Stick It is written and directed by Jessica Bendinger, who is one of the writers for Bring It On. Okay. So that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Like they have very similar energies going on. This is more hard edge kind of shot though. (laughs) Yeah. And when Stick It came out, it kind of got butchered. Like I think it has like a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, something way lower than it should be. I mean, most teen girl movies get butchered on Rotten Tomatoes. For sure. Yeah. Um, But this writer goes on to break apart the five ways in which this movie exceeds. So I think this writer is treating it like a law of averages. Mm -hmm. Like, Harmony and I have this discussion a lot usually. About wrestling. In regard to wrestling. Like, who's the greatest because of law of averages. Right. Like, you have to exceed in all areas, like promos and stunts and longevity, blah, blah, blah. You can't just be really good at one aspect of it. Yes. Which does unfortunately mean that Chris Jericho is the greatest wrestler of all time, despite the fact that he's a total wiener. Anyway, this is how they broke it apart, which I really like it. So the fifth category is stunts, because one of the things that draws people into sports movies is like the feats of athleticism. The action. Yeah, it's the action. And it's like, you know, when it comes to sports movies... We enjoy them to varying degrees of realism. Mm-hmm. Like there's the, mo- the the all make it moment in Hoosiers or Michael Jordan stretching his arm really, really far in Space Jam. Or like, that this movie has an across the universe gymnastics set. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there are multiple moments in this movie where all of them are performing stunts at the same time. And it looks kind of like a music video. It also kind of looks like a kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that there are photos being used from the Olympics currently where it is uh, Simone Biles being like 
exposed a million times so it looks kind of like she's making a pinwheel of herself on the uneven bars uh-huh. and that's pretty much exactly what this movie did mm-hmm. which i find fascinating because the that's an aspect of this movie that got ripped apart by critics is like why is there suddenly a music video why are they doing all these flips and you've got like mirrored images because it looks this silly is an artsy sport right and it's like well photographers are doing that with the olympics now so if anything stick it's ahead of the time but what makes Stick It so cool is that there are also legitimate elite gymnasts at the top of their craft performing in this. So yeah. it's not like actors pretending they know how to do gymnastics. They're actual gymnasts like eating the floor up and it's amazing to watch. Yeah, we praised Ice Princess for similar things with like the flying shrimp. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh yeah, no, when you have a film like this, you can't really use body doubles the whole time. Um I, Tanya, actually did a really good job. Yeah, they did a great job. Well, technology's come a long way since then of using body doubles, but this that wasn't really an option super well in 2006, Mm -hmm. so they did very well with what they had. Yeah, they did great, and I mean, when we say that they're at the top of their craft, like, Nastia Lukin's in this movie, Mm -hmm. who two years later would win the Olympic gold in the all-around, and it was, like, a huge deal. And they were name-dropping her last night. (laughs) Yeah, they were talking about her last night because some of the gymnasts from, I think, the Netherlands, they were like, wow, she's, like, very much got a a Nastia Lukin thing going on. It's like, well, that's her her idol. So Mm -hmm. it's, like, very cool to see this movie and know that, like, in just a short amount of time that she's going to be literally the best Olympian in the world. And she's in this movie, which is really, really great. Um, And because of that, that also goes into four, which is like the cinematography. And this critic is talking about that aspect of cinematography being really, really strong and how this movie also has moments that are really fun in them. Like the mall scene is really fun and it brings like a nice livelihood to it. And um, the cinematographer for this is Darren Okato, who also worked on Bring It On and Mean Girls. So oh, like so clearly teen, teen knows movie royalty. Yeah, clearly knows how to shoot a teen movie and a sports movie. Number three is Jeff Bridges. Well, yeah, Jeff Bridges <laughs> is great and everything. And, Though I don't love that he's clean shaven, but I get why. Yeah, Jeff Bridges and Kurt Russell are two actors where their faces and the characters that they can play change completely on whether or not they have facial hair. Yeah, and they both look so much better with beards. <laughs> but the, handsome. The reason that they made Jeff Bridges be his own category is because, like previously said, sports movies are essentially just about dads. Like, yeah. it's about masculinity. And it's almost sports movies are almost always an avenue for men to express their repressed emotions without damaging their masculinity. Mm-hmm. So it's no surprise that so many of the classics are actually just about daddy issues. And Jeff Bridges is Stickett's daddy. He's a terrific father figure because he's not the perfect image of inspiration or a reluctant and unqualified void filler. And I love that. I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. Uh, number two, it's fun. This is a very fun movie. It's not taking itself too seriously. It's not a total fucking bummer. It's not also trying to like talk down or pander, uh, which I really like. It's genuinely fun. I think when you get a lot of these like elite level stories within sports films, mm-hmm. they're so fucking dramatic. Yeah, they become these like big epics. Like I think about like Miracle. Uh, where it is just like, ah, they did it. Everything is so important. And it's like, yeah, it's important. It's the fucking Olympics. But at the same time, like. 
Got to think about Rudy and Rudy's overcoming yeah. challenges, man. Field of their dream, field of dreams. Ah. But also, it's 2006, so like, let's play Missy Elliott, and who gives a shit? Yeah, also like, the soundtrack kind of just rules. Yeah, the soundtrack does rule. It's it's pretty <laughs> incredible. So I love that aspect of it. And then the number one thing is, this is the only good plot that any sports movie has ever had. And like, okay. I was like, okay, that's a bold claim. But here's what they what they had to say about it. This is one of the few sports movies that's actually about the sport it's about. The movie does follow Haley's forced return to gymnastics and finding her chosen family, but it doesn't shy away from how brutal the sport is. Where a typical sports movie's big match would center on Haley's emotional arc, stick its climax is when the gymnasts rebel against being judged by arbitrary rules rather than skill, with points being taken off a flawless routine for a bra strap. Led by Haley, the athletes decide to not compete and choose their own winners, showcasing the girls they know should win, the judges playing favorites, or using the rules to punish unorthodox routines. It is the perfect subject for a movie about young elite female athletes not being taken seriously and having no control over the forum their skill is being judged in. This movie isn't centered around whether or not Haley will compete or walk away or if her team did the best, but on how the judges will react to the gymnast rebelling against them. Which is true. However, I will not agree that this is the only movie that does that. What else does, in your opinion? I don't know, Bring It On does. Ice Princess does. Mm, bring It On. Ice Princess, I agree with you. Yes, Ice Princess does. Bring the, It On, Those though. are just the first two movies that I go to when I think of this because they're the, um, the girl sports. Correct. But Bring It On, though, is as much about, like, oh my gosh, who's going to win? Mm-hmm. As much as it is about, like, the Toros getting their shit together, like, and and learning how to be a champion team without ripping off the, you know, underprivileged black team. Like, it's... True. I mean, it's a competition, but also it's a movie that explains the idea of competitive cheerleading to most people for the first time. I mean, yeah, I can agree with that. That's true. I think it does all of the things. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I can definitely see your point. I tend to lean more towards the the writer on this because I do feel like there is more of an emphasis put on the autonomy of the girls in the sport than it is so much about like the actual competition. Like who yeah. wins in this really doesn't matter. Whether like like they said, whether or not Haley's actually going to compete because that's kind of like teased around throughout the film mm-hmm. also doesn't matter. What matters is like how are people going to react when they do what's right and when they finally take control. And I love that. I really, really love that a lot. Yeah. So with all of that out of the way, with all that sports talk out of the way. Sports. Uh, let's talk about Haley. How do you feel about her? Uh, the, the Oh, the sick gender reveal of the person who does rad BMX stunts in a drained pool. Oh, my God. It's a girl. I secretly love those stupid gender reveals as cheesy as they are. Like my personal favorite one is when Kiersey Clemens is really is revealed in dope. Mm-hmm. And it's because they think that she's a boy and she flashes. Yeah. And it's not done in the sense of like the like like the cross-dressing reveal that we see. It's, it, it's not like Yentl. Yeah, it's not Yentl. It's not just, it's one, not of just one of the guys. It's like, get the fuck out of my face. I'm a girl. Leave me alone. Like, uh-huh. I love that. And <laughs> in this movie, for it to be like, look at these extreme sports and all these, like, hooligans that are spray painting houses. Whoa, it's a this girl. This girl can hang. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really funny to me because also it feels such peak 2006 
where it's like, I don't buy clothes from Abercrombie or Hollister. I buy clothes from Zoomies and PacSun. Like, <laughs> that energy is so 2006, and it is perfectly captured in that opening. Yes, which is why I asked, like, hey, um, is this movie set in 2006 by chance? <laughs> it's so obvious. Um, also, I think it's like you did $15,000 worth of damage to this house that we're building. And all she did was like break a window. Yeah, she broke a window and they like rode a bike in a house. Like, yeah. I don't know, 15 grand. Like, what did you make these windows out of diamonds? Also for trespassing, man. Ooh, Sticking ew. it to her. I guess. Stick it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, no, I, I, I like Haley eventually. Mm-hmm. I, uh... I think I remember uh, touching on this a little bit earlier in the episode about how I was more on her side than Jeff Bridges when I was like half paying attention to this movie because that's the obvious thing in like a sports mm-hmm. movie where it's like, oh yeah, like the the coach who's a hard ass, like uh, whatever, and she was right all along. Except he's not a hard ass, mm-hmm. and she was absolutely wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> like for the first half of the movie. And I also love that because I think there's something to be said about teenage defiance and don't get me wrong plenty of young women are treated like absolute shit especially when it comes to elite sports Mm -hmm. but there's also this streak of teenage defiance that yeah we're not always right um like somebody was making a criticism the other day of the mitchells versus the machines and their big criticism is they hate that like the the girl had to like meet the dad halfway on some things and Mm -hmm. it's like that's how life works. That's kind of what parenting That's is. That's kind of what parenting is. Like, or, um, sometimes you do have to meet people halfway because, like, yeah, it's like it, it just it gets a little infuriating for me. Yeah, or um, I, I didn't watch this, so you could probably speak better to this than I could, but so many people complained about the chilling adventures of Sabrina because they're like, ew, she's annoying. She's an annoying character. I'm like, she's a fucking teen girl. Uh-huh. Like, I'm sorry that you hate teen girls. Yeah. Like, that was the gist of it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. And, like, I really look at Haley as, I, th- I feel like we just need to make a chart at some time of, like, the character archetypes that they are most like, like, that we reuse all the time. Mm-hmm. Because this is definitely, like, an Annie from Freaky Friday streak of, yeah. like, oh, my God, I hate you. You're ruining my life. We need where to make the four-point graph where <laughs> yeah. it's, like, what quadrant you end up in yeah. and where. <laughs> Yeah, for real, though. Okay, like, we'll I, see if I get around to it. <laughs> I think that's very much where Haley is, where... Haley's defiance is justified and we understand why she is the way that she is. Like we get that reveal later. But at the same time, it's like there are other ways for you to cope with your negative emotions and the things that you're having issues with other than like telling everyone that you meet to go fuck themselves and doing random acts of vandalism because you can. She's just a rebel without a cause, man. Yeah. She's she's like the actual like punk kind of dangerous girl version that Missy from Bring It On isn't actually. Yes. Like she would have actual tattoos. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I so, I I like Haley though because I like I like girls that make mistakes. Like Scooby. <laughs> Currently growling <laughs> while we record. <laughs> Gymnastics tells you no all day long. It mocks you over and over again, telling you you're an idiot, that you're crazy. If you like running full speed towards a stationary object, vaults for you. If you like peeling pieces of skin the size of quarters off your hands, 
bars is for you. Because the only thing more fun than rips is when your rips get rips. It's super sexy. In floor? Are you serious? I mean, who doesn't want to parade around in a leotard getting wedgies and doing dorky choreography? It's delicious. Yeah, so, I mean, when we meet Haley, she she's a gymnast who's kind of been shamed because she walked out of worlds. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge thing. It caused her teammates to not do well, which also, like... Simone Biles walked out and America still took silver. If y'all's worlds got fucked because she left, then that says more about you than it does about her. You shouldn't be like hanging your hat on one person. That's too much pressure and y'all should do some internal investigation on that. It's like LeBron. Yes. Yes, actually. <laughs> we, we've talked about this a lot specifically because of the Space Jams and it's like, um, clearly LeBron is a better athlete than Michael. But Michael was on a better team. LeBron frequently was carrying a kind of shit team, I say, as a Clevelander. (laughs) And that's really emblematic of the two Space Jams. Yeah, for real, though. Um, But yeah, no, when we meet Haley, she's kind of a disgraced gymnast because she walked out during Worlds seemingly with no explanation. The explanation that we later learn is that she found out right before she was due to go on that her mom was cheating on her dad with her coach. Her, like... Amy Poehler in Mean Girls Mom. Mm-hmm. She's a cool mom. Yeah, she's a cool mom. Like, hey, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. I wear juicy couture. Yeah, I'm very, cool very much like that. And, you know, she walks. And good for her. Yeah, her coach also fucking sucked. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, I know so many people, especially with how they've been reacting with Simone Biles, where it's like, no, you should go out there and go twice as hard and make them eat it and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not the right course of action for everybody. No. Like, I'm a defiant asshole, and that's what I do. Like, I absolutely love to make people eat their words. She was a 15-year-old girl. Like, she absolutely was probably very heartbroken, very distraught. Her entire family is about to implode, and she's expected to go out there and make her coach look good and make mm-hmm. everyone else look good and act like, you know, the sport that she's been sacrificing her time and her body to, and it's the direct cause of what is imploding her life right now that she has to just pretend that doesn't exist fuck no walk Mm -hmm. away i'm proud of you for walking away Haley. not so proud of you that you decided that in retaliation to be a butthole but you know what you you figured it out well it's one of those things i think where after she walked away probably everyone was like you're a loser you're a failure you blew this and she's like fine i'll just go be a screw up then if you think i already am one then fuck it Mm mm-hmm Pretty much, because everyone treats her like shit about it. Like, they, yeah. you know, she... she and they was... have, like, stories. There's, like, urban legends or whatever about mm-hmm. about why and what was going on. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where she's trying to give advice to one of the other gymnasts, and she says something about, like, winning, and the, the other gymnast mom is like, yeah, what would you know about winning? And it's like, fuck off, lady. Like, mm-hmm. first off, she's a child. Like, yeah, she's an elite athlete. They are all, like, Olympic caliber performers. That doesn't make them not children. She still can't vote. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. Well, those are like those dance moms. Or you, you've mm-hmm. told me stories about some of the people that – were parents of the girls that you twirled with Mm -hmm. and how they were they're weirdly enough like uh emilio estevez's dad in the breakfast club you gotta win you gotta win yeah like i duct tape his butt cheeks together i definitely grew up with like i cannot stress enough how fortunate i am to have the parents that i did 
because here here's a perfect example. So my Saturdays for as long as I could remember was I had to wake up and I had to be at the uh, at, at one of the gyms because we we practice primarily in like two or three gyms. So you'd go to the park district gym mm-hmm. at nine in the morning. You would be there until noon, leave, go get lunch by about two o'clock, if not three, you move over to the high school and go to the high school field house. And we would be there sometimes until 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. That was my Saturday, pretty much every Saturday during the twirling season from age nine until I retired in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Like, I just hours of that. When I reached a certain age, when I like pretty much when I could drive, um, my mom just let me go. It was like, cool, see you later tonight. Bye, do whatever you got to do. I would have friends who in their 20s would have their mom come to the gym and they would sit on the side of the floor and they would sit there for 10 hours just to make sure that their kids were doing what they were supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. practicing the way they were supposed to practice, like because they either didn't trust them or thought they knew better or what have you. And in a lot of cases, those were not the girls that were the best either. You had to push them harder because they weren't doing it. I I guess. I don't I don't know. I don't it's know. kind of like um it's it's kind of like Joanne's mom because Joanne just wants to go to prom with mm-hmm. what's his name Poot. I think so. I think it's Poot. Yeah, so <laughs> she just wants to go to prom with him and her mom's like I'm not paying you for you I'm not paying money for you to be here so you can go to prom. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just want to have a normal fucking life, dude. I want to do cartwheels in the mall wearing dresses that we would likely tear if we weren't such yes. high caliber athletes. Yeah. And I definitely knew girls like that, too. And don't get me wrong. I sacrificed a lot during my like elite twirling years. I missed out on a lot. Mm-hmm. I got to go to prom. I got to go to concerts. I got to go to Six Flags. I got to do some of those things. I'm like you had chill parents. Because I had chill parents. Yeah. Like I had days where I could do things, but I knew plenty of friends. It was like, you can't go do this because what if you get hurt? What if you fall? Mm-hmm. I don't know this person. And there were definitely elite twirling groups where like all of the girls are homeschooled so that they could be in the gym 24-7. Mm-hmm. That was just, that was too far for me. And I'm grateful that my mom never pushed me that far because I think I would have had so much resentment. Whereas like now there's definitely stuff I have to unpack that I am very stressed out about. Like today has been a little bit emotionally exhausting if I'm being totally honest, like seeing people react to Simone Biles because like she did the thing that I never did, Mm -hmm. which is like when it was too much, like she walked away and I never did that. And there were times in my life where it was too much and I should have taken a break and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those like everything came rushing at me and I've just been spending my whole day being like, how different would my life be if I had given myself the space to breathe? Yeah. Like, that's wild. And I'll never know. Yeah. That's why I have a therapist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I imagine that in the case of Simone, there's even more pressure because oh my God. She, she's the most amazing athlete in Olympic history and all eyes on her. And mm-hmm. when she screws up slightly, like, mm-hmm. people notice it. Mm-hmm. Even though she still is technically better than everyone else, even with yeah. mess ups. Yeah, like one of the things I was explaining to you is the reason that the judges keep lowballing her really difficult scores 
is because her difficulty level is so much higher than everyone else that she could eat shit and like fall off of something and still have a higher score than somebody who does like a perfect routine if their difficulty is lower. Yeah. Because her difficulty is just that high. Yeah. You were um you were, you were explaining to me like the physics of flips and stuff. Mm-hmm. And something I didn't realize is that she's like four foot seven or something. She's four eight. Yeah. Like she is ludicrously tiny and you're like oh yeah no you get more momentum and more height when you're small and i'm like i don't understand how that works but i trust you well the easiest way that i think about it too is like it's very similar to um like in cheerleading how the flyers are always the tiniest smallest and well, people I are like that's because they can throw them well easier. yeah you can throw them easier because they're lighter but also like it, there's like there's less limbs like i don't know yeah. how else to describe it like the wingspan is smaller so you're more aerodynamic well it's like the idea of like tucking your arms in when you're mm-hmm. spinning or something like that yes yeah, so you go faster so you're inherently more tucked in i guess mm-hmm. okay gotcha yeah like that's the i get the easiest way that i can think of describing it sure so that's part of why she is as good as she is is because she's so small mm-hmm. um which is something that we pointed out when we were watching this because i was like Haley looks so tall and I think the the actress Missy Peregrine is like five seven. Like she's not even that tall. But my brain is so hardwired to see like elite gymnasts as being like people who are like five three and smaller. Yeah. That I was like, she's way too fucking tall to be a gymnast. Yeah. And uh, her her double is a French gymnast who's about her height too. So I was like, all right, you know what? So yeah, like it's doable. Yeah. Fuck my drag. What do I know? You were also like, who was it? The the blonde girl. You're like, her chest is too big to be a gymnast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. <laughs> well, that just kind of what happens like when you train at that level like you just don't produce the body fat and like it also most gymnasts like elite gymnasts don't have a menstrual cycle yeah um because they're they have such little body fat on their bodies that like their bodies can't do it yeah so like that's like the only sort of like suspension of disbelief that I mean, it's such a minute thing it's that so i would minor. have never noticed. no god no why would anybody um but I think that that care that they take with, like, finding the doubles that really are them mm-hmm. is really, really important, especially for having Haley be as tall as she is when most elite gymnasts are not that tall. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a very nice touch. Yes. Also, um, I had to ask you about this because, like, I was on Tumblr, like, eight years ago or whatever. I rem- I remember... And uh, there was there was a lot of little queer kids who would share gifts of Haley like getting in the ice tub and just being like, oh, my God, this was an awakening for me. And I was like, is this like a, a low key lesbian movie that everyone had like a really like complicated thoughts about as children? Yeah. So this was definitely a queer awakening film for a lot of people because it is a movie about very, very strong women. Like, uh-huh. these are, I think, babies first, please punch me in the face and step on my throat thoughts. Uh-huh. I think a lot of them come from this movie. Well, yeah, you don't see uh, women with abs very much in teen movies like this. Or, like, those just massive traps. Like buff shoulders. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Like, you don't really see that a lot in teen movies, so I think this movie was very... Very eye-opening for a lot of... It's just like, please top me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds awful, but like, it's that feeling when you're that young and you don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. You don't have words for it. You just know the sensation. And it's only in hindsight that you can look back and go, oh, there's the root. I understand now. So yeah, if you ever want to, like, go on a quick Twitter search of like, stick it. And it is a lot of like, 
thirsty queer girls being like, yep, this was it for me. Like, this is when I knew. Yeah, see, I saw a little bit of that, like, that that gift specifically, I remember, mm-hmm. being shared all the time. And when I saw it in this movie, it, like, unlocked that. And I was like, uh, mm, yep, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... It was, it was definitely a thing, I think, for a lot of people. And I also think just there's an attitude to this movie that is really attractive because it's, it is defiant. Mm-hmm. Like, this entire movie's core is defiance, whether it's Haley being defiant because she's intentionally rebelling because she doesn't know what to do with her emotions, or it's all of them rebelling because they're going against a rigged system and they don't give a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a really cool thing. We don't have a lot of teen movies where girls are being intentionally defiant and it's done so in a way that isn't like I'm being a bully or I'm being catty. Mm -hmm. Like this is intentional and structured defiance. And I love that. Yeah. And I mean, even in just terms of how this film is shot, it doesn't have the male gaze. No, it really doesn't. And this is a movie that with a lesser cinematographer and especially a lesser director could get exploitive really fast. Yeah. Because it's women in leotards. Like, they're essentially in underwear the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel that way. No. And I and I like that, too. Like, you could make the excuse, like, oh, well, Haley's wearing a lot of layers all the time because she's being defiant wearing baggy clothes. But, like, all of the women around her are not. Mm-hmm. And they never feel objectified. Even no. when it's, like, look at this person on a balance beam, like, going spread eagle. It's like, no, this is a feat of athleticism. And if you are like sexualizing this specific moment, you're being gross. Like, yeah. like they even show, because uh, cause they're fucking gymnasts, they, there's a lot of shots of just feet and it doesn't yeah. feel weird. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. It's like, you know, when you watch like a Tarantino movie and there's shots of feet and you go, mm, yep, I know why that's there. And you watch mm-hmm. this movie and go, they're gymnasts. Their feet are important. It makes me think a lot about the importance of feet in Black Swan. Yeah. Which is, like, you, every time you see them, it's, like, look at how fucked up this is. Like, look at how much they are sacrificing their body mm-hmm. for this. That's how I feel. You're going to get, like, a hammer toe or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's how this movie treats the bodies of the athletes. That it's either look at this, like, peak human physique and, like, the power and control. Like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that's – I think more than anything, that is what attracts, like, young queer audiences. Like, it's not a matter of, like, ooh, I am really into sex and I want to have sex with this person. It's that feeling of, like, oh, that's dominance mm-hmm. or, like, that strength, that's power. That's what they're attracted to. Yeah. And that, I think, is a a big difference between a lot of, like, when people talk about the female male gaze, that's a big part of it, is, like, male gaze, and don't get, I get conflicted on the male gaze because I'm also, you know, a lesbian, so, like, I like a good ogle shot. I'm a perv. We Mm. know this. I like John Waters movies and lesbian vampire movies from the 70s that are very, like, exploitive. Yeah. But the difference being is that, like, a movie that is a movie like this through the male gaze would be like, look at their boobs, look at their butt, look how tight it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the female gaze is like, look at the strength in their chest, look at the control of their muscle tone, look at their strength. Like, it, it's showing you a feeling, it's also not, not really, an, like an object, it's showing you impressive parts of the body that are not really er- erogenous. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, very true. 
I mean, I mean, I think can be fucking erogenous, but like there's not a really a lot of emphasis on the butt as an example. Mm -hmm. The closest we sort of get to that is like when they put the stick em on. Mm -hmm. And at one point, uh, fuck, I think his name is Poot again. Poot. Poot's like, oh my God, stick em. Like, can I help put it on? And I was like, you goober. Right. The universal sign player, what's whipped? Dude, what's so wrong about being whipped? When is that a bad thing? Ever? Huh. Good point. Poot, Poot is like such I have I have such a love hate for for Poot and uh what is Kellen Lutz's character's name? Is it Frank? Frank. Yeah, Frank and Poot because Frank and Poot definitely feel like the guys that you would hang out with at the skate park. Yeah. Like they're those guys. Like they mean well. They're graduates of kind of edgelord humor 101 because that's what they grew up through. So they've got some shit they got to unlearn. Yeah. But they're not garbage people. They're not. I think they're fine doofuses. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that they are by far and away the worst part of the movie, mostly because their performances are not very good. Yeah, and I also feel like this is another example of we have to throw male characters in here because otherwise boys won't have anyone to identify with. They've got Jeff Bridges. He's too old. Okay, fine. Well, in any case, I think that it's important for them to be there because being boy crazy is part of Joanne's character arc. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's part of her freedom is just, like, the idea of being, like, oh, my God, boys? Mm-hmm. Because it's something... You know boys? It's something that she has, like, no exposure to because she's an elite athlete who doesn't go to school. Yeah, and she's... Uh, let's just dive into Joanne, because she's sort of, like, an antagonist in the sense For, that she antagonizes. <laughs> yeah, she antagonizes Haley, but I she's not a villain by no. any stretch of the imagination. No, she's more of, like, a I'm not touching you younger sibling type. Yeah, she's she... She's just irritating. Yeah, she's that constant splinter in Haley's side to remind her, like, hey, remember when you walked away from Worlds? Remember when you did that? Remember yeah. that thing you did? Yeah. Like, she's that character character and i kind of love her she's also one of the the characters we describe a lot like a like the tina from the final girls where she is a very smartly written stupid character oh my god she's so dumb yeah (laughs) because like she's really she's mostly just socially awkward so she doesn't know how to talk to people correctly and she uses like slightly wrong words all the time she plane stations like constantly in in the sense for we've discussed this on the show before but for anybody who's listening to the first time uh plane stationing is the phrase that we use because i have brain damage from cancer where i can't think of the correct word so i try to like use context clues what's an airport it's a plane station. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, she's like, the, the one that is really awkward is um, they're talking about leotards, and she's like, our tards. And it's like, no, we call those Leos so that you avoid calling them that, Joey. <laughs> and it's like, oh, God. God. And then doesn't she, like, doesn't, like, they cor- don't they, like, correct her immediately after she says it? Because they're yes. like, dude, come yes. on. Yeah, they call her out immediately because it's one of those things where she wasn't trying to be hateful. No, she's just trying to be kind of cool she's like kind of trying to make up her own slang but is doing it badly yeah it makes me think of did you ever watch the most popular girls in school no the youtube clips with the barbies oh yes so there was a character whose name was jonathan and he tried to give himself his own nickname and he was just like my name is than and everyone's like we're not calling you that and he's like (laughs) come on guys my name's than and it's like shut the fuck up jonathan get away from us like that's joanne's energy (laughs) it's Uh. just wrong and she frequently uses words that sound correct but that's not not. the word she wanted she doesn't actually have the right one she's very um hizzy tizzy olive cool yes 
Yes, that's a that's a <laughs> but, really good. But not as smart as Olive. <laughs> no, because Olive's actually smart. <laughs> yes. So no, I like I like Joanne as an antagonistic person, mm-hmm. not as an antagonist. She's because, a pest. She's, yeah, that's really. She's like a gnat. Yeah. She's, she's very irritating, but she's really good, and I like this actress a lot. Um, I think she has like one of my favorite noses in Hollywood. She does. And she's she, a very nice. She one. didn't Jennifer Grey her face because I, I think Jennifer Grey used to be so pretty, and then she got a nose job, and it made her face lose so much personality. But I mean, Jennifer Grey though was also somebody who was attacked mercilessly for her nose. I know it was the eighties, yeah. and people were much harsher about that. Yeah, which so is I understand. I understand why she got it done, and I don't blame her for it or shame her, obviously. Yeah. But. But it's like it's just disappointing as a as a nosy person myself. You have my family's nose that I no longer have because I broke my own face. Yes, I know. But <laughs> I I also really like this actor. I think her name is a uh, Vanessa Lengies. Lengies or something Lengies. like that. Yes. Um, she sugar modded me from Glee because I'm an asshole, and that's where she'll always be. I know her from waiting. She is good in waiting because she's the hostess that is uh, underage and. Ryan Reynolds and the restaurant manager are really trying to get with. Yeah. Because she's just playing them like a fiddle. Mm-hmm. But like, I think she's really cool as an actress. I think she's really nice in everything I see her in. I think she plays this character perfectly. Yeah, she's great. I also love that despite the fact that she really doesn't like Haley, she goes along with her because she knows she's right. Mm-hmm. And like, they eventually warm up to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like her a lot. I also like our, our other two main gymnasts. I like Weiwei and Mina. Mm-hmm. I love them as like a twosome of, because they, they kind of do go together. They play off each other. They play off each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Weiwei is one of my favorite side characters in a movie. Oh, yeah. Because I think she has so much personality. And uh, the actress, Nikki Suhu, has this incredible stare where she's kind of like, she's not cross-eyed. But she's kind of like got that face where like she's looking at her, looking at you through looking at her own nose. Yeah. And it is just it's very such, blank. Yeah. It is yeah. just like such brilliant comedy because she'll like stare at Haley and just be like, what? <laughs> like it gets me. She's really good. Um, and she also has great moves. She's a great dancer. And she has her, a lot of sick hip hop yeah, performance on the beam. She has a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I really like both of those characters. I think they're really funny and they work as like perfect uh, boards to bounce things off of when um, Haley and Joanne are fighting, mm-hmm. like the the fake phone bit that they keep oh, doing. Yes. Where they refuse to talk to each other. They're refusing to talk to each other, so they'll be like, "Hey, Mina, pick up the phone and like make hand phones." Which also, I had this moment where they're still using receiver hand mm-hmm. phones, where you use your thumb and your and your pinky. Um, for those out there listening, if you want to feel really really old when little kids today play phone. They don't make the phone with their thumb and their pinky anymore. They hold it like they're holding a box because the only phones they've ever known are cell phones that are like iPhones and smartphones. Because nobody has a landline anymore. Because no one has a landline anymore. And the day I realized that, I was teaching kindergarten and the kids were playing something and they picked up the phone and he was holding it like a brick and I about fell over. I was like, oh, oh and now here's the part where I turned to dust. Okay. I'm old. I had this conversation at the bar the other night, and they were like, you know what? We're having this conversation. I bet people did that the generation before us when we started doing like the pinky and thumb. And I was like, I don't know if they pantomimed the candlestick phone. (laughs) 
I, I feel like they didn't. I don't think so either. <laughs> no. Just like holding their fist to their ear. No, absolutely not. But oh, speaking of Weiwei's beam performance, though, um, I think that is so much fun. And with all due respect to like the mega athletes that exist in gymnastics, I really like fun gymnastics like mm-hmm. this. And I understand why that's like a faux pas, because how do you judge stuff when it's just very subjective like that? If everyone did something like that and they were all radically different and weird, like a, like like they're doing like ridiculous drag performances, essentially, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, I don't know, apples and grapes and oranges. What? How do I judge these against each other? Right. I, I get why they don't, because it's impossible to have a metric for that. But even something as simple as us watching the Olympics last night and someone was doing a, a floor routine to an instrumental version of Bad Guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, her performance is fun. I like mm-hmm. her. <laughs> I, li- I like fun gymnastics. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's totally understandable. I tend to be the same way. Like, there are some absolutely breathtaking and beautiful baton performances I've seen over the years to, like, very slow and melodic music. The ones that I remember that, like, I think about constantly are the ones that are, like, upbeat and really, like, intense. My One of my favorite routines of all time is a girl who twirled to the Bare Naked Ladies cover of Grim Grinning Ghosts. <laughs> like, it rules so hard. You showed me that. It's so good and upbeat and fun. I mean, I don't know if these things place well, but those are generally the ones that I uh, that you see go viral on social media. Absolutely. So when they started allowing gymnasts to use contemporary music, and um, I think when ice skating allowed music with lyrics, Mm -hmm. like the collegiate world exploded. Yeah. Because now we're getting athletes that are incorporating like hip hop into their routines and not just doing like jazz, ballet, and modern dance, which is really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. And a point that you made earlier is like, you know, how do I judge these against each other? The judges on So You Think You Can Dance do that because in the auditions, people audition with their like specialty. Mm -hmm. So you'll have people come out that are tap dancers and then you'll have people that do like contortion dancing and like... Do all of... Is it the same judges for all of them? Yeah. There's like a... There's a panel of them and that's why there's the panel is so that there's like a lot of representation and that's what we have at the Olympics. Like, do I think that American gymnasts are probably going to be better at hip hop than, say, like Russia? Than the Norwegian gymnasts, yeah, the Icelandic probably, gymnasts. <laughs> probably. But, like, that's what makes it so interesting is because you're bringing these different cultural styles into the performance. I mean, and isn't I, that the point of the Olympics? Is, yeah. Is to be global? Yeah, that's kind of the point. And that's why this movie, I think, is so important is because it points out the hypocrisy in that. Yeah. Which I think you can only make a movie like that once. Yeah. That was incredible. The height, the distance, bam, the stuck landing. If they don't give her a 10 on this, there is no justice. Come on, judges, give her a 10. How can they not? What? Elfie, whoa, I can't believe it. A 9-5, this is an outrage. Tim, I'm shocked. You're not supposed to be up here, Bert. Where is this deduction coming from? Hmm? <laughs> Her bra strap was showing, Bert. It is an automatic deduction. Oh, if come an undergarment on. is showing, Bert. That rule. Doris, she's, she's flipping through the air. She's spinning, Doris. Of course, her bra popped out. That rule is ancient. Apparently, so is her bra. I mean... Did Sticky get a sequel? No. Okay. 
I don't think it was successful enough. No, I think that this is a movie that as excited as I am finally exists about gymnastics kind of made any gymnastics movie that follows it irrelevant. Yeah, but I mean, I think we've talked about this in past episodes, specifically with Bring It On and Ice Princess, is that you don't have um, like a buffet of options for these sports the way mm-hmm. you do like this year had three different football movies at least come out yeah. and you don't have a uh, three different gymnastic movies coming out mm-hmm. there there actually was another movie that came out uh, i think it was an indie film called the gymnast mm-hmm. that i had that i found when i was researching for the this year and it's something about like a 40 year old who got injured or something and has one more shot at redemption i don't know it had okay reviews mm-hmm. but Generally speaking, you don't get a, 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 a wide variety of films for, like, the female sports. No, yeah, you you really don't. And I, I was sitting here thinking about it, and the first gymnastics movie that I can remember is, I think it's a Lifetime movie. Okay. If it's not a Lifetime movie, it's something of that ilk um, called Perfect Body. And it okay. stars a young Amy Jo Johnson which if you don't know her name she's the pink ranger the oh original pink ranger sure i that i i, I know who that is even yes. though i didn't watch power rangers yes um but it's a movie about disordered eating and the length that gymnasts go through to have their bodies be perfect and like obsessive exercise and i remember being kind of horrified when i watched it because i saw it when i was starting my career as an elite baton twirler, mm-hmm. which is another sport where they're built very much like gymnasts because it's a lot of muscle that you need to have. And it's, you need also to be aerodynamic because you spin and we do a lot of the uh, similar jumps and, you know, you do illusions and all sorts of stuff. In some instances you do flips. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was terrified like, Oh my God, please tell me I'm not going to have to like live like this. Yeah. And fortunately, I didn't, thank God. But I, I do know athletes who did. Yeah. For well, sure. You were inherently, your body wasn't built no. for baton. You forced your way through it. Yes. Which is determination or stubbornness. <laughs> yes, that's that's very true. And I was also very, very fortunate that there was a woman who performed. She was probably like 15 or 16 when I first started. So mm-hmm. she was in her 20s by the time I was old enough to actually recognize her. And she was very chesty. Yeah. And it was one of those things where she was also really tall. And she also had short hair. Um, she had like merely written hair. Sure. And I remember seeing her perform and being like, oh, I'm okay. Like she's an elite performer and she has big boobs too. Uh-huh. So if she can, that means I can, which means I don't need to like change my body. Whereas like I knew so many other people that were desperate to be as small as humanly possible because they thought that's what they needed. Uh But because I had that visual proof of like elite performer at the top of her game also has big boobs, I was like, oh, I'm fine. I don't have to worry about this. Yeah. And I'm just very thankful for that every single day because I don't know how different things would have been had I not been able to see her. Mm -hmm. I think I think I probably would have had a way harder time. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So it's really, uh, ironic is not the right word. I think probably serendipitous is the word that I want. Yeah. That we had been planning, you know, like the Olympics, we're going to talk about Stick It. And then all of this stuff with Simone Biles happened. And it's remarkably similar to things in the plot here. Yeah. So 
the world of elite gymnastics is heavily criticized in this movie. Yeah. Um, they talk about like how hard it is and yet how this sport does not get the respect that it deserves. It talks frequently about how much of your life you kind of have to give away in order to be the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And it also talks about how you can get completely fucked over by the smallest things, no matter how good you are. Yeah. And that is exactly what we see with people like Simone Biles. And they also very much talk about how the USA gymnastics or just like the gymnastics organizations as a whole don't actually care about athletes. They care about accolades. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the people who made stick it could have predicted what was going on with the USA gymnastics. Um, when they made this movie, but the fact of the matter is, is they were fucking right. All right, friends. So we're getting to the part of the episode where we're going to talk about some serious stuff. And full disclosure, we tried recording this, and then we had to take the dog out, and she was pissed that we were recording. And it's, you know, we're talking about stuff that <laughs> probably shouldn't have a dog growling and whining in the background. No, she was um, being quite the needy prima donna about it, which is like, hey, hey. <laughs> Come on. Like every time we tried to say anything. <laughs> so it's fine. She went out and she peed and she saw one of her dog friends and, uh, you know, we're, yeah. we're all right now. We're doing good. Doing good. So as we said earlier, we had planned on doing Stick It to time up with the Olympics. And it's a complete coincidence of happenstance that this movie feels more relevant now than ever before because mm -hmm. of everything that's going on with Simone Biles and what's been going on the last few years with USA Gymnastics in general. Mm -hmm. So first things first, if you are unaware, I, I don't know how one could be unaware, but I, I never want to assume. But if you are unaware, um, Larry Nasser, uh, who is a former and disgraced USA Gymnastics doctor, was convicted of assaulting like literal hundreds of gymnasts over uh, some time now. Mm -hmm. And Simone Biles is currently the only still active elite gymnast who has uh, survived him. Everyone else is retired at this point or in the case of somebody like Maggie Nichols, um, you know, her last collegiate year was taken by COVID. So, um, you know, kind of forced to retire. And now she's coaching, which is great. Super happy for her. She is the titular athlete A, if you've not seen that documentary. Highly recommend it. It's a lot, but it is very good. So the whole rebellion in Stick It is essentially, you all do not value us as athletes, nor do you care about us. You exist to critique us and never recognize our brilliance mm -hmm. because ultimately you all care more about medals and prestige than you do the people who get those for you. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're seeing with this Olympics, whether intentional or not. Simone Biles was basically asked, hey, you know this organization that fucking failed you and hundreds of your colleagues um, I want you to go represent them in another country, and I want you to win medals for us, and I don't care how you get there. And she basically went, no, I'm, I'm taking care of my mental health. 
I'm taking care of my physical health because if I'm not in a good place mentally, how am I supposed to perform? Mm -hmm. And uh, she took herself out. And I'm really, really proud of her for that because I think for so many people that doesn't feel like an option. Yeah. And for the most decorated Olympian and the, you know, greatest athlete to ever fucking walk the planet to be able to say, no, we're not doing this today is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I love that at the heart of this movie, that is the message. Like we're going to stick it to the systems that do not care about us because they don't, if they did care about them, then Maggie Nichols would have gotten her Olympic spot the last go around. She would not have been punished for speaking out, which, yeah, there are plenty of people that are like, um, actually, she didn't qualify because of blah, 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 blah. I, I don't fucking buy it. I think she was punished for speaking out against Larry Nasser. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's unforgivable. But they don't care about these girls. They, they you know, the, people keep talking about Carrie Strug today. Where they're like, Simone Biles is having a bad headspace, so she quit. Carrie Strug competed on the vault on a broken ankle. Like, that's true heroicism. Why in the actual fuck is it heroic for somebody to compete on a broken ankle and now has, like, it killed her career. It killed her gymnastics career. It caused permanent damage. That's not heroic to me. That's, like That's America. You did it for America. Like that is Kurt, Kurt so Angle won gross. the gold medal with a broken freaking neck for America. Yeah, that's not. We shouldn't be congratulating that. People should not have to put their bodies through that in order to be appreciated. Like people talk like, "Oh, she's a legend for doing that." That shouldn't be legendary or heroic. Like knowing your limits is heroic. Simone Biles is amazing because she did something that no one in elite athleticism ever has had the chance to do which is to say no Mm -hmm. like i mean realistically she's better than the olympics no shit yeah so yeah like she already did it yeah she doesn't have to again especially because i mean you can say whatever you will about x person who you know abused x number of people but when it gets into numbers that are like the hundreds, mm-hmm. that's by like design. Like it's designed to be overlooked. Mm-hmm. It's like the Catholic Church. This isn't like one person who's just flying under the radar. No, there are people at pretty much every level who mm-hmm. understand what's happening and, and they don't care. They did nothing about it. And it is, it's abhorrent. And for someone like Simone to then be expected to go back to that world where, like, the, the world that harmed her like this, and then also to be under that amount of pressure, because I've seen also a lot of people making the comparison, like, well, what if LeBron James had just said, like, fuck it, I don't feel like it's a day with his team. There's a huge difference between a sport like basketball and a sport like gymnastics. In basketball, if you miss a shot in the first quarter, that's fine. You've got three more quarters that you can make it up in. In gymnastics, you have 90 seconds. If you fuck up, you're done. The pressure is immeasurable in comparison. So, yeah, I said what I said. Simone Biles' job is harder than any athlete on the fucking planet. Also, I mean, I guess gymnastics are sort of, but it's 
But basketball is a team sport. LeBron shouldn't have been carrying his whole team. There's other people to pick up slack Mm -hmm. as opposed to one person Mm -hmm. competing against a scoring system that will never see them as good enough. Yeah, 100%. And uh, it's just really wild that there's this movie that I don't think could have possibly have known how insidious the underbelly of USA Gymnastics really is. Mm -hmm. And it was saying something years before any of these athletes felt safe enough to do so. And and that's really what it comes down to. They didn't speak out because they did not feel safe enough to do so. Yeah, and I think you were explaining this to me. Um, didn't this movie come out before the USA Gymnastics team basically became like a dynasty of yes. the most elite gymnasts in the world? Yes. This so is a lot has changed since yeah, 2006. Yeah, this is, this is coming out right before... USA Gymnastics became like an extremely dominant force. Like USA Gymnastics have been really, really good since like the 80s, mm-hmm. but it's been in like the last decade or so that it's like they're unstoppable and untouchable. Mm-hmm. And this is the first year since 2008 that the women's team has not taken home the gold. And they took home silver even without the best gymnast in the world on mm-hmm. their on their team. That's incredible, and they should be very, very proud of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I know that they are. They've all been celebrating and posting about it, and fortunately for them, ignoring all of the absolute bullshit coming from people on social media who are criticizing these incredible athletes from their fucking couches. Mm-hmm. Like people who can't touch their toes. <laughs> right. I say as a person who also cannot touch their toes. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really bananas, and to me it makes – it's added another level to this movie and makes me love it so much more. Mm-hmm. Like I shared this story on my personal Twitter and like I've talked about it like vaguely a little bit on the show before. But when I was 13, I was so how baton works, there's like three main uh, events and however you place overall determines whether or not you advance to like nationals or whatever. And um I was in my right before my third event. I was outside warming up because the practice gym was filled. So I was like, fuck it, I'll go outside. And I slipped. And I was doing an aerial trick where I have to go upside down and my supporting leg slipped and I caught all of my body weight on my face. And I broke my face, basically. Which is why you have a nose that you shouldn't and I have your nose. (laughs) Yes, my nose used to look a little little bit more crooked. A little more Italian. A little bit more Italian. Um, I should have gone to the emergency room. I should have not competed, but I did. And I think during the Ice Princess uh, episode, I might have talked about it in kind of a light of like, yeah, and you know what? That's what you do in elite sports. You just kind of pick yourself up and you go and you do this. Mm -hmm. But with what happened with Simone today, I've really been sitting here and reflecting on it. And I'm having that realization of like, I didn't think I had the option to say no. That's why I didn't go to the hospital Mm because I didn't think that was a choice. And the thing is, it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw some of my coaches, and one of my coaches literally picked a piece of gravel out of my forehead and was like, ah, nothing a little foundation can't cover. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can we not put foundation on, like, the clear, like, skin breaks? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. You'll be fine. Okay, well, what am I going to do about my aerial tricks? Eh, just do more spins. Don't, don't do aerial tricks. Just do more spins. Mm-hmm. And I did. And what's like what sucks is that I was in first place and up until that event, 
And then I, I still qualified, but I didn't come in first after that be- because I had to take out the aerial tricks. But, like, the judges saw me. Like, they knew that I ate shit outside and was very hurt. Mm-hmm. And they knew that I was still competing. And they still fucking docked me. Mm-hmm. Like, and like I sit there and I think about it and it's like, part of me wants to justify it. Like, oh, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's how sports work. But the other part of me is like, but you know why I didn't do those tricks? Because I had just gotten very, very hurt. And the risk was now too much for me to do aerial tricks. Because if I slipped again, for whatever reason, I would have done like permanent damage to my face. Mm-hmm. And you still deducted me. And that is, that's not a good feeling. Yeah. And like... Well, and it's it, not it, fair if they don't. Well, it's right. not their fault you fell. Right. And like that's the thing that I also justify in my head is like, well, you know, it's not fair that I fell. But this whole situation has really forced me to look back at a lot of this stuff during my elite years of like, yeah, I took those ice baths. I know what that feels like. That ice bath that is like the queer awakening. Like that was not a queer awakening for me. Like it was excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. Or like I'm now in my 30s and obviously I don't compete anymore and my body is starting to settle in ways that my body was pretty much meant to. Like I still have a lot of leg muscle. Like my calf muscles and my thigh muscles are still like brick shit houses. Mm-hmm. But I'm like I'm a, fat, cool. I'm a fat lady. Mm-hmm. And my body does not know how to hold my weight because my ankles and my knees and my hips are all so worn from years of being an elite athlete and like my legs are out of line because they're so turned out from years of dance that I now have like severe joint problems. Like that's permanent. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and what was it for? Like, I don't, I don't regret being a competitive twirler. It's like some of my happiest memories, but it's also really kind of did a number on my body like Mm -hmm. permanently and that sucks and it's definitely done stuff to my mental health that i'm gonna unpack for the rest of my life yeah um i'm I'm gonna tie a couple things that have been mentioned in passing and let's just go on that conversation okay so a little bit ago mentioned uh, olympic gold medalist kurt angle Mm mm-hmm who won the medal for wrestling with a broken freaking neck. Right. As has been repeated a million times in the pantheons of wrestling. I don't understand, like, the idea of, like, world champion or elite athlete stuff. Mm-hmm. However, I do understand professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, again, there's this, like, 2006 era of macho when it comes to sports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so many people who watch wrestling, like, like, remember a few months ago, Matt Hardy fell off of a forklift or whatever and split his head open from like a 15-foot fall on concrete. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people were like, he gutted it out. He he was so heroic and so cool. And it's like, that could have killed him. Yeah. And the match continued. Yeah. But people are like, it's so tough. It's so cool. That time uh, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin got his neck broken and still finished the match. So cool. And it's like, okay, cool. But that ended his career like mm-hmm. so many years earlier than it should have. And he was in pain forever. Mm-hmm. Kurt Angle had neck injury problems for the rest of his life and now has nerve damage because mm-hmm. of neck problems after like also de- a decade of painkiller problems. Mm-hmm. So 
Or you look at like we 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 make them heroes, which they they are in a lot of ways. Like wrestlers are superheroes, and so are Olympic athletes in a lot of ways. But but like look at look at football players, mm-hmm. like football players who have just gotten concussion over concussion, and it basically turns their brain into pudding. Mm-hmm. And like, what's being done about it? Like, I mean, I think about Dave Durson of the Chicago Bears who uh, took his own life but did so by shooting himself in the stomach so that his brain could be studied mm-hmm. after playing for the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Like, that stuff is so upsetting and alarming, and you're 100% right. Like, we glorify it when they survive. Like, it's seen as like, oh, my God, it's this amazing heroic act. What if, like, Owen Hart landed that drop? Yeah. We, would, we wouldn't be talking about, like, do you have any idea how unsafe that was? Do you have any idea, like what a corrupt monster Vince McMahon was for doing that. For those that have no idea what I'm talking about, because I'm also realizing Teen Girl Podcast wrestling crossover is not always great. One day we'll do fighting with my family. And just yeah, and it'll make a lot more time. sense. <laughs> um, but no, Owen Hart was a wrestler like from a prestigious wrestling dynasty, and um, he was doing a like a gimmick where he was coming off from the rafters. It was like a zipline superhero stunt. Yeah. But the clip that they had for him, um, there's a whole Dark Side of the Ring episode about this. It's heartbreaking, it's, but it's very good. It's devastating, as is every episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, essentially, it was not a safety clip that was supposed to be used for people. It could no. support like 40 pounds or something like that. Yeah. Because the actual like safe clip that they should have used... Uh, it released like two seconds slower and they didn't like that in the production crew. So they yeah. replaced it and it couldn't support his weight and he fell immediately from the rafters of an arena and died. Yeah, he fell to his death in front of a crowd of people. Yep. And then the pay-per-view went on. Yep. Which that's criticized. Like people said, that, oh, they should have stopped it. But only when they die do we care. Yeah. And, that, and that's 100% what you're saying. It's only when people die that we care and we start getting critical of like, why weren't all these things put in place? I can't believe this happened. And it's like, you can believe it happens because it happens all the time because you celebrate it when people don't die. And like, that's what happened. What's happening in like sports, like gymnastics where we're putting people through this incredibly rigorous sport for our entertainment. And like, but also at the same time, like they obviously love what they do. Mm -hmm. Like Simone Biles loves pushing herself, but like at what cost? Like Where, she's where's being, the ceiling? Yeah, she's being like, so heavily criticized for walking away, and it's the same thing as Haley. Like Haley was so heavily criticized in this movie for walking away from Worlds. People are mad at her. They hold these grudges, and it's like you have zero empathy for what they're going through because you don't care about what they're going through. All you care about is what it means for you. Yeah. Um, hasn't Simone Biles like invented numerous moves, and they're banning a lot of them from competitive? action because they're afraid no one else will be able to pull it off and they'll hurt themselves so they're not exactly banning them so she currently has four moves named after herself um there is a possibility if she decides to perform in the individual competition later this week so it it'll be after recording but before this comes out so we will not know um yeah they they mentioned the idea of naming moves after athletes in stick it even yes they do they say if you do something first and like best they name it after you um and there simone does have the possibility of a fifth move if she chooses to compete on thursday and also nails it and they're not outright banning them, but they are docking the difficulty on them to encourage people not to try them because they are so difficult. Mm-hmm. Like the one that she is attempting is a 
um, Yachinko double pike, which is basically like you do. I'm not going to go into the specifics of it, but it's very dangerous because you flip a lot doing the double pike. Like you either land it or you likely land on your fucking head. Mm-hmm. Like that's why it's so dangerous. So they're they're nerfing the difficulty one because then like if she biffs it, it doesn't like still make it really uneven in scoring, but also it discourages people from wanting to try something that difficult if, like, the point system is not going to pay off for them with mm-hmm. it. The juice is not worth the squeeze. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that's pretty much what's happening with it. Gotcha. So it's it's, it's like a limited move. Yes. It's not a banned move. Correct. Got it. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if it's that dangerous and it's not going to pay off, then why attempt it? Like, that's really what it's coming down to. heroism and America and Mm -hmm. pushing yourself. You're competing against yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is just, I don't know. And, like, I I have these, like, really mixed emotions about it because I recognize, and in this Olympics especially, there's so many just, like, fundamentally problematic aspects of every like we're doing olympics in a pandemic like the olympics in general always like pushes people housing out like Uh, fiscally it is a huge gamble and soul crushing mm -hmm. thing for the economy yeah it tokyo i think is going to eat billions and billions of dollars they're not going to make by no one coming yeah it's it's a nightmare and the thought of the next olympics being here where we live is concerning god i loved living in cleveland where nothing important happened (laughs) Um, it was a big deal when like a president drove through cleveland (laughs) and it shut down the highway and everyone complained like that was as hot as it got there right (laughs) right so there's like there's plenty of stuff to criticize about the olympics but at the same time like i watched you know all three hours of the prelims the other day because i I like watching their excitement when they do stick it, when they nail that move. Like, that brings me so much joy because I've been there. I know what it's like to, like, like when I would catch a trick that I knew, like, this is my money shot. Like, if I get this, I've got this. And when I do it, like, that feeling is indescribable. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can't imagine what it's like for somebody because, like, Baton will never be an Olympic sport because they're not adding more sports that require, like, judgment and things big complicated nonsense we already have our own world tournament and it works fine for us Mm -hmm. but people like that end up on cereal boxes when they nail their moves like that's crazy pants to me like that's so cool but at the same time like that's terrifying Mm -hmm. because like either you nail it and you get to be in a cereal box or you don't and then no one remembers you yeah i um this sort of okay so we've referenced bring it on and ice princess pretty pretty consistently throughout this episode and i think if you want to look at these things sort of in a gradient i think um bring it on is kind of like a comedy and a movie that explains cheerleading but it's more of like an entertainment film ice princess Mm -hmm. is sort of like the middle point and this one is like we are adamant about being a sports movie mm-hmm. there's there's nothing else to this movie there's no romance plot there's no nothing else it is a sports movie and that is where we are sticking very strongly mm-hmm. and in ice princess though because it does talk about like competitive aspects uh in very harsh terms kind of like how this movie does 
Joan Cusack talks about like, well, what's the shelf life for a competitive ice skater? You get five years and then you tour around the who gives a shit circuit or something like that. Yeah, she like she doesn't like, swear because it's a Disney movie. Yeah, but, but she's that's like, essentially you know, it. basically like you end up on ice capades and like Disney and ice and kind of shit. Like, yeah, like you you have no real career. There's no investment, but if you invest in your mind, mm-hmm. and then that gets into like the feminism of that movie, which is why it's so good. But yeah, like where 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 what do you? I don't know. You're a celebrity for a hot sec if you succeed, and otherwise you aren't recognized in your niche sport by the yeah. entire planet. A lot become, co- a lot become coaches. Life. Like Simone yeah. Biles already has her own gym. Like, because yeah. she's the coolest woman on the planet. Um, she yeah. does seem cool. A lot become coaches. You know, some people, if you're successful enough, you can kind of like build a career off of becoming like a like a public speaker and mm-hmm. you know things of of that ilk. But there, elite athleticism is just so weird. Like that, it just it just comes across as being like a grinder. Kinda. Yeah, because there's there's plenty of athletes like, you know, men's USA basketball is not just an Olympic sport. Like they also are in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like they're set for life. They're Dream fine. team. Yeah. Got it. But what like women's beach volleyball, like what are they going to do when things are over? They'll end up in Sports Illustrated because we like to sexualize the beach volleyball players. You know, that's a really good point, too. <laughs> yeah, there was a... um thing i saw fairly recently i don't remember which team it was but there was this mandate that athletes in the women's beach volleyball team had to wear like bikini cut things oh yeah it could only be 10 centimeters on the side and they're not allowed to wear shorts because we gotta wring our fingers and really look at those hot beach asses (laughs) yeah that's it's it's very ridiculous one thing that is kind of cool though is that um because they got uh it was Norway. I said the Netherlands earlier, but it was Norway's uh-huh. team that did this. Um, Pink is paying their fine. Like the singer Pink what? is paying the fine that they got for wanting to, like, for wearing shorts at their, like, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, she's paying for it. That's cool. Because she that. was like, yeah, fuck that. No. That's tight. Which I love. Um, I saw also another team which did, um, they didn't wear leotards. They wore, like, unitards. Like full leg. Uh, Germany did that. That's what it was. Yeah. And they were like, we're doing this to fight sexism because, you know, there's no reason we have to show off our legs, but the men don't. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's cool. I like that. I like that too. And, you know, we see a little bit of that in Stick It where it's Mm -hmm. like they intentionally pull their bra straps out to criticize like how ridiculous it is. But I love Jeff Bridges like running over to the judges table and when she gives the explanation, like her bra was showing, he's like, she's fl- flipping through the air. Of course it's going to show and is just so exacerbated by the whole situation. Yeah. Because, yeah, it is going to show. You're flipping around. Things are going to move without your control. What do you yeah. expect? You wear turtlenecks like a matronly leotard wearer. Ew. <laughs> Turtleneck leotard. Uh, I think that would end up just kind of looking like a wetsuit. You're right, it would. It would just end up looking like a wetsuit. That's actually not terrible, Like, but my brain thought of like a turtleneck sweater that was like a full body, and I was like, oh, no. I'm sure they have those. Everything's getting turned into a leotard now so that it doesn't ride up when you tuck it into things. That's true. Yeah. But they don't usually have pants. That's a good point. Also, we I, I, it's just realized, it's just kind of dawned on me that we haven't really even talked about Jeff Bridges as a coach in this movie. 
He's a great dad character. He's he's the tough, hard-ass coach. He's such a dad character. Who actually gives a shit. Like, my favorite move that he does is he takes her out to the diner and then is like, you can walk back. You deserve the thoughts. Which, on one hand, I'm like, you just left a teenage girl to walk by herself in the dark in a city that she's not familiar with. Like, that's a little irresponsible. But at the same time, like... I've definitely had the uh, take a walk from my dad. And it's like, all right, you know, yeah, I do need to take a walk. I need to go outside. I need to cool down. I need yeah. to think about some stuff. So it's not always like, it's not a net negative. It's not intentionally being a problem. Like yeah. there's there's a method to that madness. But also like I have a broken brain in the sense that I kind of come from this world where- worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah, where if somebody is like, hey, go run 20 laps and cool off. I'm like, all right, fine. Uh-huh. And then I go. Yeah. Uh, but no, I do like him as a father figure type character because obviously we talked about Haley's mom who sucks and her dad seems to just not really be present. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I'm going to pay to get you out of jail and also just sort of neglect you, I guess. I, I'm not really there. I'm not really doing anything. I'm just one of those dads with money who doesn't fucking whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that Haley hates Jeff Bridges. What's, what's his name? Uh Bert Vickerman? Yeah. Okay. She she hates him. I'm assuming because she has like a, a lot of uh, preconceived notions about what coaches are like because her last coach was such a piece of shit. Yeah. And also, I, I think the implication in this movie is that Bert Vickerman used to push his athletes to the point of getting hurt. And yes. he has stopped doing that. Like he's, he's softened in his old age, I guess, and become more sympathetic. And that's why he's a good dad character but yeah that's the the whole thing that he has a reputation for is that he used to breed champions and now he breeds has-beens is what they call it because they're people who get pushed too far and then they get hurt and that's Mm -hmm. why now his big thing is like really wanting clean routines because he doesn't want people getting hurt yeah which is good coaching he gives Mm -hmm. a shit about their their well-being and to me, it also... He's like, don't push yourself if you're going to not land it correctly. Yeah, and to me, that also is, again, weirdly predictive of, like, kind of the turning point that we're in with gymnastics now, where the idea of pushing somebody so hard they get hurt and they end up like Carrie Strug, that world is going away. Mm-hmm. So, like, Stick It weirdly is both so critical of the industry that it's, you know, paying homage to but is also predicting the future of like what a better world of gymnastics should be like. Mm -hmm. And something that you just mentioned that I didn't even like think about until just now Hmm. is you're talking about like, you know, Haley's parents are not there with her and like that causes some stress and Mm -hmm. you know, they're not very present in her life just in general. All of the Olympians right now, they're all competing without their parents because they're, their family and their support system can't be there mm-hmm. because of COVID. Yeah. We were talking about how watching it yesterday was like, this feels like a rehearsal. I feel like I'm not supposed to be watching this because there's no crowd and it's dead silent and it's strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like uh, that, like that adds like an additional layer to everything that they're all going through right now is like, they don't like, we see what happens with Haley when she doesn't have her support system. Mm-hmm. It's like, it fucks with her head. Like it gets in her head. Oh yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, no wonder, like, the amount of stress people are on. And I know that there are probably some people who are going to be a little bummed that this episode turned into, like, a Simone Biles Stan episode. But, like, it cannot be overstated how important what she did was this week. Yeah. And we're not just a nostalgia podcast. We also Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, 
the world we live in now. Because mm-hmm. if we were just a nostalgia podcast, honestly, we'd probably be a lot more successful. And also, <laughs> these episodes would be a lot less interesting to listen to. And I would certainly not enjoy talking about them as much. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, stick it kind of rules, in my opinion. So that leads me to the important question. Yes, the important question. Harmony, stick it is asking you to the prom, to the prom, to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back? I absolutely want to go to the prom. I like this movie so much more than the first two times I watched it. And after the last week or so, I definitely appreciate this movie uh, on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think it takes on a whole lot more meaning in our current lens than it ever did at the time. I agree completely. Yeah. Well, friends, I think that takes us out on Stick It. Thank you again for listening and supporting. If you want to do more, if you want more content from us, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com backslash prom. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at prom. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where are you at? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And thank you as always to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use their track title for our theme song. Harmony, do you have a cool indie band for people to check out this week? <laughs> do I ever? <laughs> All right. So last week, I think my favorite album of the year dropped. Oh, yeah. We'll You've see. been talking about this we'll for a lot. We'll see. There's still plenty of more time for good stuff to come out, but it's called The Beginner's Guide to Faking Your Own Death by Jiraiya, and it is incredible. Some of these songs have already been released as singles, but my God, this album rules. It, the, 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 the theatrics, the drama, the the intense emo, but not emo, mixed with piano cabaret, mixed with pop punk. Like There's so much going on in this album, and it's fucking awesome, and I want everyone to go listen to it. <laughs> Awesome. I actually have my own suggestion, too. Oh. I am really into a band called Raspberry Pi. Oh, Raspberry Pi are so They're like disco party music. They're fucking awesome. And they just released a song called Game On, and I'm a huge fan of it. I've been listening to it nonstop, so check them out, too. They're awesome. They're they're so much fun, and they're so, like, positive. (laughs) I know. I need more positive music in my life, because I listen to a lot of sad shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I love happy music with depressing Mm -hmm. lyrics. It's my thing. Yeah that works (laughs) all right friends thank you again you're the best we love you so very much and as always save that last dance for us bye stick it is so important is because it points out the hypocrisy in that. Scooby no bark. (laughs) Scooby no bark. Scooby. Go go. (laughs) This movie points out the...
<laughs> now she's doing it on purpose. <laughs> Squeak. Damn it. This movie points out the... <laughs> Well, hello. Well, hello. How are you? <laughs> hello. Thank, thank you for giving me kisses. <laughs> yeah, this movie points out the hypocrisy of all of that. Yes. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.